Well, let's turn to First Corinthians, the passage we're moving from. say here Paul is helping them to get things in perspective to get themselves in perspective with other people in Corinth a rich city so there were some rich people in church and there were some very poor people in church there was slaves and there were people that owned a lot And so what would have been happening in the church? Uh, There was divisions, weren't there, because of status. And so here that's being dealt with. And also there was people choosing who they were going to follow. I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, back in verse 12. I'm of Cephas or Peter, or I'm of Christ. And so there's divisions in the church. And so Paul's starting to deal with that early in this book. he's dealing here with these status God's specifications on their prerequisites you know their prerequisites and you know this is the sort of person I follow well no this is the person God wants certain prerequisites and that is humility is it not (laughs) one of the main portions of scripture that we always head toward when we think of an example of humility. It's found in a little epistle of Paul's, the book of Philippians chapter 2. That's where it is. That's where it's found. We won't go there right now, but that's the portion. He humbled himself for us to become a man. And he set the example for us. And here Paul has been dealing, as we dealt with last week, the wisdom of man is contrasts with the gospel of Christ, the foolishness of the wisdom of man, compared with the great wisdom of the Lord (laughs) and the wisdom of the gospel. To man, the gospel is foolishness, especially to the Greeks. And the the Jews seek a sign, don't they? We looked at that last week. So we're going to move forward this, this evening on God's specifications laid down here, some prerequisites for the Christian to follow. For we see your calling, brethren, verse 26, how not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world And the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, the things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ, Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word and I pray that we would 
humble ourselves before you and would adjust our thinking if it's wrong. And we would look at your son and lift him up and glorify him in our lives. That we wouldn't seek to be glorified and we wouldn't set ourselves in the spotlight, but we would shine the light upon the Lord and point people to him and what he has done and the example he has set for us to follow. Bless us, we consider your word and see many examples of this teaching throughout scripture this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. (coughs) Now, we look first of all, there's three things we're looking at. Who God doesn't call, many of, who who God does call, and why God calls who he does, and what he calls them to. So, first of all, who God doesn't call many of. You see, in verse 26, for you see your calling, brethren, how not many wise men are called. There. (coughs) So, who God doesn't call many of. (laughs) Someone put it like this. The rich can be glad that for the M in many, because it could read who God doesn't call any of. At least there's an M in that word, (laughs) many of. He calls some of them people, but not many of them people. (laughs) He calls, (laughs) let's say, that the call goes out to all of them, but very few of them respond because of their self-sufficiency. Isn't that so? I'm okay. Go to Joe Blow in Paul Street. Well, what do they call that these days in Struggle Street? <laughs> Go down to Struggle Street and you'll, they're, they're the guys that will listen down there. But even they today have their pride, don't they? Even they today don't want to listen <laughs> in Struggle Street. Um, because today even the poor people have got quite enough thank you they say so God doesn't call many of the first of all sophisticated people verse 26 you see your calling brethren how not many wise men after the flesh (laughs) these sophisticated ones and the reading was taken from Luke chapter 18 that Troy read a little bit earlier the guy that come pounding his, his, his back. <laughs> now Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. And if you go to Jerusalem and you go down to the Wailing Wall, you know that, everybody knows the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, you best be careful where you park yourself. Put your kipper on, even if you don't believe in kippers. You know that thing on your head? And uh, go down there. But you better park yourself in the right place. <clears throat> because uh, you might be welcome in certain other places and uh, the women are on that side and the men are in there and so forth and so on all your spots and the Pharisee stood you know different <laughs> and prayed thus with himself yeah, he's not praying to God God I thank thee that I'm not as other men are Extor- <laughs> this is exactly what he was an extortioner of the truth of God <clears throat> Unjust. Was he just or unjust before God? 
He thought he was just, but he was unjust. Adulterous. The woman taken in adultery, where was the man? Probably one of them. Or even as this publican who was beating himself and asking for forgiveness. I fast twice a day. I give tithes of all that I possess. And mint and the common, they cut up, divided, and there's 10% and there's the rest of it for me. I mean, for the, yeah, for me. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes to heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to us. Who went down justified? Who was the real, the, who was the person really talking to God? The publican. The man was justified before God. You see, <clears throat> not the sophisticated person. <laughs> when I look at the the, the, the building, <laughs> the churches, we, was that last Sunday morning or Sunday night? The highfalutin churches, their properties are worth millions and millions of dollars with all the flesh things and, <laughs> and the skeletons tucked away in walls and in the floors and you know the saints that are buried, the saints that are buried in these places, and this is what they think. They've been made saints or pronounced saints by the people that run the place, and they may not be saints at all. It's a terrible, terrible system. And as the world looks on, that's what the world believes. This is this is Christianity, and it's not at all. Sophisticated people. And there's a self-sufficient people in verse 26, the next, next lot of people that are mentioned there. You see, your breath, calling, brethren, not many, but praise God for the few that get saved that are of this upper crust. Not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many mighty. These self-sufficient people, and these are the, these are the ones that um, Troy talked about in the book of James. Book of James chapter 2. Have not the faith of the Lord with respect of persons, said the Lord. If they come to you are a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, <clears throat> in those days, if a man came like that who was a, a man with everything that looked the trappings of the world, where did they seat him? <laughs> in the chief seat up the front. He'd probably today be better... He'd be, he'd be more comfortably seated at the back. <laughs> but anyway, that's the way it was. A prominent position is where they, what they gave him, a self-sufficient person. <clears throat> I always think of Bob Harrington in his testimony. I don't know if he's a really safe man, but an insurance, insurance agent that he walked into church as an unsaved man. He made sure he wore his hobnail boots, like cowboy boots. I don't know if anyone ever heard that. Probably not. It was way, way back. And uh, he walked right down. He made sure he came late to church. And he walked down the aisle and sort of hit the floor hard with his boots every time he landed his boot. Bang, bang, bang. And went right down to the front. So that everyone would notice him so that afterward he didn't have to introduce himself. Because he was a salesman, see. <laughs> and he wanted to sell insurance to people. And... Uh, <laughs> These self-sufficient people might be like that. And he was, uh, eventually he got saved. Well, he said he got saved on that testimony. Uh, that'd be long gone because it was on one of those reel-to-reel -reel tapes of that man. <clears throat> but this is the situation here. 
and you you get the poor man, the one that's not been washed in a, in weeks, and he's he's sleeping rough on the street, and he's in vile raiment, as it says in Scripture, and you have respect to that person, but God doesn't do that. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? What about the man we read about this morning, Lazarus, and the rich man who went to heaven? Who's in heaven still? <laughs> the poor man that whose sores the dogs did lick. Okay, so we got them too. We've got the sophisticated people, the self-sufficient people, and the society people in Galatians. Well, back in Corinthians and verse 26, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things. And so there's the wise, the mighty, and the noble, the society people. Praise God, there are a few, as I say, that are saved of these people. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 3 we read, For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. And over in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7 it says this, For who maketh thee to differ from another? You and I could have been that poor person sleeping rough on the street. We could have been in their circumstances. We could have lost everything. We could have been born in a poor family. It's wonderful to hear a story of a person born in a poor family that's made it to the top, isn't it? And often them people, the ones that have benevolence upon those in, the, in that situation and help them out. What hast thou that did, thou didst not receive? Who gave you a break? <laughs> Who saw to it circumstances worked out that it was a, you received the blessings you did? Now if thou didst receive them, you say, but I worked for them. But who gave you the opportunities? Who gave you the talents? Who had, who had you to be born in the place you were born and, and so forth? Why dost thou glory if you did receive them? Why had, dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? And so Paul's getting on to the Corinthians there later in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7 about these very things <coughs> that have been <coughs> talked about. <coughs> now, let's have a look at a few of the ones that were well-to-do and were a blessing. Some of the many, not, not many, <laughs> that were well-to-do and God used them. Matthew 27 and verse 57 and you can think of it, Matthew 27, later in the gospel, who was a, who was a well-to-do man that was a blessing? His mate. Joseph of Arimathea, remember him? And when evening was come, in verse 57 of 27, there came a rich, a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, <coughs> who also himself was Jesus' disciple. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Riches didn't get his heart. The Lord Jesus had his heart. <clears throat> he went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Now it probably took a rich man for Pilate to take notice of. <laughs> yeah, I, I know you. I've seen you around town. <laughs> You're a man of influence and affluence. He begged the body of Jesus. He didn't come demanding. He begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body 
to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in clean linen cloth. You know, he, he forever would rejoice that he did what he did and the Lord led him to do it. And he put it in a new term, which he had hewn out of the rock and he rolled a great stone on the door of the sepulchre and departed. And so there is a rich man. There is a man of affluence and influence that did what God bid him to do. And as John just mentioned, there is, a, there is the other one, his friend, that came to Jesus by night and they teamed up in that effort there. If you read all the Gospels, but in chapter 3 of John and verse 1, there is a man of the Pharisees. He's in this group of the 70, the Sanhedrin, named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He, he came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these things. You see, God touched this one, one of few. You know, we're all the other guys in the Sanhedrin that could have understood and seen what Nicodemus saw in the Lord Jesus and believed on the Lord Jesus, but they didn't. But there's another, another one. Let's go to Acts chapter 13. <clears throat> Acts chapter 13 and verse 6 to 12. And we read there, And when they had gone through the isle of, unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus who was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. He's a, he's a ruler. <laughs> Sergius Paulus, the deputy of the country, a prudent man, a ruler, a person in power who called for Paul to hear the word. But Elimaeus, a sorcerer, for so his name was by interpretation, withstood them, seeing seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul also was called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O oh, full of subtlety and mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all, right, right, of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And, and now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, seeing not the sun for a season. And we know what happened to him. Then the deputy, in verse 12, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. And so Sergius Paulus there believed, being a ruler, a leader, a deputy, a proconsul in his day. Praise God for those that believe in power. Praise God for those that believe who are rich. Praise God for those that believe that have influence in society. Uh, God lays his hand upon them God chooses them God sees that the Holy Spirit works in their life now <clears throat> Romans chapter 16 look at another one here Romans chapter 16 and, and you can choose others as, as you go through the scripture verse 23 there's two in this verse Gaius mine host so he was one that was hosting Paul and he was hosting the church the church was in his house saluteth you Erastus, sort of a name you think, it's not, not, not a modern name, sounds like a, he's a bit of Erastus, <laughs> the Chamberlain of the city, the Chamberlain of the city. Yeah, we, we just read the Bible and we can slip right over these things sometimes, but the Chamberlain of the city, he saluteth you, and Cortes, our brother. 
And you go through here, you find other people that were the ruler of the synagogue. <laughs> These people believe. These people identify themselves with the Lord Jesus. These people become Christians. Praise God for people of influence like this. The Chamberlain of the city. It's good <clears throat> when that was <laughs> that is the case. And uh, people of this affluence and influence can be used of the Lord, humble themselves before the Lord and be, can be used in that way. Um, and there's another one we won't turn, but in Mark chapter, I mean Acts chapter 12 from verse 11 to 19, it's Mary, the mother of John Mark. They were praying, the people were gathered together about the persecution. They'd taken Peter in to slay him, to execute him after Stephen had been executed and they were, they were going to was it Stephen or James they were going <clears> to <throat> execute Peter and he was delivered from prison and the maid answered the door Peter was at the door and she <laughs> thought it was they said it's a spirit you've seen no it's Peter <laughs> it can't be it is Peter and uh, they were there praying in her house and it was a, it was a house of affluence uh, John Mark was from that house He'd had it fairly easy. That's why he took off from the mission strip that he was on earlier. And, uh, well, later. <laughs> and uh, he used of the comforts of home. But later he got tough and stayed with Paul. So <clears throat> there's these people. Praise the Lord for the few. And as we see in our text tonight, not many, but praise God for the few <clears throat> that get saved. Um, Let's move on a little to who God does call in our text here. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. Aren't you glad? <laughs> because if that wasn't the case, we might not, as common people, have been chosen. Pastor, don't talk about me like that. Don't talk about us like that. <laughs> well, who do we think we are? Maybe you need to look up your, what do you call it, heritage, your... <laughs> Stay away from that. Maybe you don't want to look up your heritage. <laughs> Maybe it was one of those guys that come out on the fleets. <laughs> one of the convicts. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know if they've got those records. Oh, surely they would. They were pretty military minded and put it all down. <laughs> but God has chosen and praise God for where He's chosen them from the foolish things of this world <laughs> to bring to naught those things that are. Let's see what it says in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4. I believe it is Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. We read this because these are the fellows that the Lord chose. And we've been through these of recent times now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John they perceived that they were unlearned and what ignorant men they hadn't been schooled 
They marvelled and took knowledge of them that they had been with who? <laughs> Jesus. Had they been schooled or not? What school do you want to go to to get the best education? Oxford or the school of the Son of God? <laughs> For three years they were following the Lord Jesus. For three years they saw and heard, listened to the eternal Son of God. What better teacher could you get? <laughs> you couldn't get anyone better. And it's, as you read through the Gospels, notice the method of his teaching. Very down to earth. Very understandable. He didn't aim above the heads of the people. He aimed right at the hearts of the people. And, and when the Pharisees and that come with their highfalutin questions, he tied them up in knots <laughs> and pulled it tight. And, they, and the, the lawyers and the solicitors, the, the, the high-thinking people of his day, he had them in knots and he had the common people in stitches. I mean, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> they, they said, do it again. I like that. <laughs> Those fellows need to be put in their place. And he put them in their place. We may get that even tonight and have a look at some of the times he did that. But the Sanhedrin, they thought of the apostles, this ragtag bunch of people. Fancy having them as your people. These are the ones that the Lord chose to start his church. These are the ones that are going to turn the world upside down. And did they? Yep. Did they go to the right places? Yep. Paul was forbidden to go to... Where, which town was that but the Lord opened the door to Europe because the Lord could see into the future he could see that Europe was the place to establish some churches and that would be the place from when many churches would go out into the world and even down here in the time to come <clears throat> unlearned and ignorant men the nobodies down in the world, but the notables up in heaven, we could say. <laughs> write, write that next to them, next to verse 13 there. The nobodies, but the notables <laughs> in heaven. And the Lord looks down and he sees the nobodies that people have put aside and said, nah, of no value, of no use. And the Lord says, they're the notable ones. Take him. <clears throat> and I, I love when uh, Pastor Willie Mullen was in England I've used it, I think, once before. And I remember he was there with a heap of Baptist pastors once. And they were debating about whether to ordain a young man into the ministry. And I've gone on about a lot of waffle, I think he called it. I don't know what he called it, but he was pretty upset. Because, see, Pastor Mullen didn't have a formal training. And he was number 14 or 17 in the family. Number 17, child in the family. He'd, he'd been he'd got into drink he'd gone really downhill really bad but he got saved <clears throat> and he said he was at the end of the table and he got his bible and flung it down the big table and said show me in the bible where these things be so and <laughs> said challenged him why aren't you going to ordain this man that god has moved in his life and called him to ministry <laughs> you know <laughs> and um i think they ordained the bloke <laughs> He said, I was there, I've been through that. And the Lord had used him to win thousands of people to heaven. And 
a, a, a notable in heaven but a nobody down here as far as men are concerned <clears throat> let's turn to Exodus and I was reading the commentary and I thought this, is, this was good Exodus chapter 2 you know the story well when you get there Exodus chapter 2 and verse 6 he was uh, this beautiful child hidden called Moses by his mother by his sister in the bulrushes <clears throat> his sister stood afar off Miriam Pharaoh's daughter was down there washing all the Lord's timing all the Lord's doing this was she saw the ark among the flags she sent her maid in to fetch it when she'd opened it she saw a child and behold the babe wept right on cue <laughs> right on cue God used a baby's tear Moses wept just at the time the royal princess spied him and opened it and this man this baby was going to emancipate let my people go 80 years later had Pharaoh's daughter known what this little child was going to do <laughs> she would not have opened the lid she would not have taken that baby home because this was going to cause the whole of Egypt to fail, this little thing. This tear, this humble little tear, got to her, and that was used by God to let the people go, to deliver two million plus people and to start the nation of Israel with one big bang. <laughs> what a, how God works, you know, little things, little things God uses to deliver the mighty to do his work and that's the way God works and I look now for the little things the little people the, the things that man has discarded and sometimes you feel very, very discouraged and say you know some, what, what's the use nobody's listening it's not working we've got nothing keep on going God will use the, the little things the foolish things of the world to confound the wise the weak things as it there is in the, in the scriptures mentioned so the foolish things to confound the gifted ones the feeble things to confound the great ones and the failures to confound the grand ones in verse 28 and the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen yea and the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are <clears throat> praise God and aren't we glad that he chooses common people to do his wonderful work? And there's a reason. The reason comes up in another verse or two. Or is it the next verse? The next verse, verse 29. Why does God use these sort of people? Why does God use these sort of things? Verse 29, what's the answer? That no man might glory in his presence, but that... And, and it's further given in chapter 10 and verse 31 of the book of Corinthians 10 and verse 31 whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatever you do do all to the glory that God might get the glory that no man might get the glory but that God might get the glory and in eternity 
all praise and all glory and all crowns go to the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then no man gets the glory. And isn't it marvellous as you look back at testimonies in history <clears throat> that God will get the glory for how he has used the nobodies to be the notables for eternity. Let's just think of some in the Old Testament. The book of Judges is full of examples of this kind of thing. God used a left-handed man with a dagger, Ehud, <laughs> to deliver them, the Israelites, from Moab, chapter 3 and verse 21. He used an ox goad from <coughs> Shamgar to deliver them from the Philistines in chapter 3 and verse 31. He used a woman, Deborah, <laughs> to deliver in chapter 4 and verse 40 the Israelites. <laughs> he used Jael with a nail. Remember her? <laughs> softly, softly put him to sleep. Was it Sisera? <laughs> Stroked him to sleep. Give him a drink of milk, wasn't it? Watch out when a lady gives you a drink of milk. <laughs> was it? I don't know what it was. Gave you, you know, it's all right, you just go to sleep, sir. And then pegged him. I mean, <laughs> nail, ten peg, was it? Something. Yeah, I, yeah, I heard someone knocking on it the other day. Through the temple. <clears throat> she must have been raised rough. <laughs> but she she did what and delivered delivered them chapter four verse twenty one little little things little people but saw the opportunity at the time and there's a woman <clears throat> in chapter nine and verse fifty three of judges a piece of a millstone and she saw uh-huh there he is mm, got him <laughs> got him just a piece of a millstone didn't didn't know how to shoot a bow probably, didn't know how to use a knife and a, a spear and an arrow or whatever, but she got him a bit of a chunk of a millstone. What about, what about Gideon? <clears throat> With pitchers and trumpets, pitchers, you know, the, and, the, and the trumpets and all the things, and the, yep, did the job. What about Samson? What did he use? Oh, he had strength, but he used the jawbone of an ass to deliver them. David with a, the little boy with a slingshot to overthrow Goliath. And his brothers said, what are you doing here? Get back and look after them sheep. <laughs> a little maid to teach Naaman a lesson in Second Kings. <laughs> a dose of insomnia to humble All the proud plan, plans of Haman. The king couldn't sleep and so he got the records out. So when you can't sleep, get the, get the Bible out. And there might be something the Lord wants us to learn. Esther 6 verse 1. Raindrops to immobilize the hundred chariots of Sisera. And on and on it goes throughout history. Martin Luther's things nailed to the door. <laughs> A miner's son. Swigley, a shepherd's son. John Knox, a plain burgess son. Moody, an uneducated human salesman. William Carey, a cobbler. And so you could go. 
The Lord uses these little things, foolish things, as it were, to confound the mighty, the chosen, the ones that think they're someone, the feeble, the foolish, and the failures to bring to naught the things that are mighty. And in verse 28, where it reads, The base things of the world, the things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are. And the word, the word base there is those with no family or friends, those with no fame or fortune, face or form, God does use to bring to naught those that are. God reduced Gideon's army from 32,000 to 300. For what reason? As we go to verse 29 again, that no man should glory in his presence. That no man should glory in his presence. So that he might receive all the glory. And in our lives, God is about doing this. And, and as I see elderly people, as they grow older, and uh, they they've become notable people, the Lord begins to bring about a, a humbling process in our lives as we grow older to teach us to say, all glory to the Lord, all glory to the Lord. It happens and happens and happens again. Things are revealed in lives later on in life that you think, wow, how did that come about that was hidden for so long and then comes out in life later on? And it's all that we might bend and bow before the Lord and saying, it's the Lord still working. Some elderly people say to me, and I probably haven't been brave or rude enough to say, they say, why am I still alive God's not finished yet. God's not finished yet. That's why you're still alive. Because if, you, if, you fi- if he was finished with you like Enoch, he'd take you home. God's, not, God's got something to either do through you or teach you and me, all of us. It's, it's an ongoing process, isn't it? And we're not done till, we're, till the Lord's done with us and through us. <clears throat> Verse 5, I mean, <laughs> back in... Verse 30, but of him are ye in Christ. But of him are ye in Christ. I think we should close with these, the thoughts here. Go to the book of Ephesians. We're in him. In him. What a wonderful thought. Go to a few verses. Chapter 1, verse 3 of Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. In Christ. Are you in him? You know, this only happens in him. If we're not in him, these things are not going to happen. Even though you be of low estate, we have to be in Christ for these things to work. In him. Another verse, verse 4 of Ephesians 1, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Are you in Christ? He in you and you in him. Verse 10 of Ephesians 1, That in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you won't be gathered together. Both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him. In Christ. How do you get into Christ? How does Christ get into you? 
is by faith in his finished work, the death, burial, and resurrection, your confession on him, your repentance and belief on him, in him, and you become in him. That we should, verse 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted, who first trusted in Christ. Trusted in him. Chapter 2 and verse 6 of Ephesians. <clears throat> Raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's like it's already happened, but it hasn't yet happened. <laughs> We're, as it were, seated in Christ in heavenly places with him there. Verse 13, it reads, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were afar off, <laughs> are made nigh by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God that we are and you are in him. And he can use us as he humbles us. You see, <clears throat> if you'd like to take the Apostle Paul as an example, he was unusable until he was humbled. And the Lord humbled him on the road to Damascus, didn't he? And saved his soul. And then he said, Lord, who art thou? He knew who he was. He got saved. Lord, what will thou have me to do? But still there was, some, there was a humbling process. Shipwreck. Beaten. Whipped. Thrown in jail. All the, the, the process of life. And, 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 and the old flesh says, no, no, no. <laughs> but the Lord says, yes, yes. Because... I'm going to get the glory, says the Lord, but not you, through this process. This is the ones that God uses. If you want to, be, if you want to put your hand up and say, I want to be used of the Lord, what do you have to be prepared for? A process of humility. A process of being humbled. A process of being made usable for the Lord. There it is. It's in Scripture. He's chosen us if we're willing to go the distance with him. Let's pray. Thank you for the word. There is a challenge in this. And sometimes, Lord, we know it's hard in the flesh to swallow. I pray, Lord, we'd be willing to go the distance and to go all the way in life to the end. And then to be received into your presence and to hear the mighty creator, the Lord Jesus, say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And may we all in this room tonight be able to hear that one day. But Lord, there's a, we're all still here, so there's work to be done <clears throat> in our lives. And Lord, let us not be haughty and proud and stubborn and unwilling for the process to happen but let's humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might lift us up in due time we ask for your guidance and your teaching and your enablement and your empowerment from the Holy Spirit to go through these processes that we're all about to face or have faced and ask in Jesus name Amen